Well, I hope you've grabbed a, a Bible, uh, perhaps a notepad too, to be able to take some notes and to share with other people as a result of from today. But how do we handle what's going on in the world today? And as people of faith, we've got to go to God, not to the world, but we've got to train ourselves and condition ourselves to be able to go back to God. That's what we do as people of faith. What we've been doing here in Oahu is that we've been talking about holy habits for the last several weeks. These are spiritual disciplines that help every Christian to be closer to God. And so far we've talked about meditation, to be able to think about something deeply and carefully about God. We've talked about fasting a couple weeks ago, how we can humble ourselves and, and go to God in prayer, asking God for His favor and His answers. On a side note, our ICOC fellowship on a global level, we're going to have a chance to be able to pray and fast next Thursday, uh, March 26th. And, and more will be sent out uh, to you with a link on that day of prayer and fasting. But we got to pray to God to, to end this uh, disease, to pray for sick people, pray for loved ones, uh, pray for those who are out of jobs, uh, to be able to pray and fast, to ask God to uh, bring encouragement and love and comfort to our world. Last week we talked about faith and not fear. Let's not be fearful. And even the things that we're doing as a congregation, it's a reaction not out of fear but out of faith, to be responsible, to be great citizens of this world, and to do our part to be part of the solution. I want to take the rest of our time talking about another holy habit that I believe is really important for us at this, this moment. And it's the holy habit of trust God. For us to be able to trust God with all of our hearts. And the goal of, of my lesson today and what we're going to be talking about, I, I want to be able to encourage everyone here uh, to be able to trust God even more. I want families to be able to be led by God. Uh, I want those who may seek out to become a Christian or wanting to learn more about the Bible, to be able to reach out to your Christian friend, to get in contact with them and have them help you uh, study the scriptures. But what does it mean for you and I to be able to trust God? It means that we know, we know God so well that our relationship with Him allows us to believe Him in what He says. It's a, it's a relationship that is built on followed promises. It's a relationship that we trust Him and we believe in Him. You know, for example, Jesus even talked to us in John chapter 14 of how He was preparing different places for us, and when He comes back, He's actually going to take His disciples back with Him to heaven. And that's comforting for those who are really following Jesus Christ. But do you believe that? Do, do, do you believe it? Do I believe that, that Jesus is really preparing a place for us. And so if we don't trust God, if we have elements of not knowing Him, if we don't have a strong relationship with Him, then we're going to doubt more. We're going to be susceptible to not uh, handling the promises that God gives us. But if we do have a relationship with God where we know Him, then we're going to be able to trust Him more and more and more. I want to encourage us with some passages. These are some great passages that I believe can help us during this time. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, 
The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. We need to trust in the Lord. That means to completely depend on Him with utter confidence. That our confidence relies on Him. In Psalm 46, verse 10, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. You know, that phrase, be still, that literally means take your hands off, relax, let it go. God is saying, guys, let it go, relax. I'm in control. I've got this. Don't worry about it. And as people, many of us, we like to be hands-on. We like to be in control about our lives. We like to be in charge. And yet God is saying from a heavenly perspective, hey guys, I can handle this. Let me drive. Trust me. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13, and many of us know this passage. We share this a lot with people who are seeking out God, but it's useful for us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And this passage, this prophecy was spoken to the Israelites that were captive in Babylon. And God makes plans for His people. He promises that we ultimately have hope in a future. And that's what God does for us. He gives us hope and He gives us peace. And knowing that, then therefore, we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be discouraged because God is in charge. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4. I love this passage. It simply says, Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. These are encouraging passages for all of us. And these passages don't necessarily mean that we're going to avoid problems or challenges in our lives. It doesn't even mean that some of us won't even get sick. But what these passages communicate to us is that God ultimately takes care of us. He's going to look after our lives. He's going to protect us. He's going to not let us down. You and I can trust God that all His promises are true and will come true in our lifetime. And hasn't God come through in your life time and time again, if you were to think about it? If you were to honestly just count your blessings and how much God has spared you and saved you and built you up? Well, now it's the time to completely and continue trusting in Him. There's a phrase here. You relax on a plane? Well, at least some of you do. Even though you don't know the pilot, you relax on a ship, even though you don't know the captain. You relax on a bus, even though you don't know the driver. Why don't you relax in life knowing that God is in control? Those are some great words of wisdom for us to be able to understand who's driving our lives if we're giving our life over to Him. And if we're committed to Him and He's our Lord, then ultimately, Ladies and gentlemen, we don't, have to, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be discouraged. And as you and I continue to trust God, I want us to consider something here. Instead of 
just looking at what's happening in our world today, and, and absolutely what's happening in our world is uh, uh, unprecedented. But I want us to consider from a perspective, you know, why are these things happening? And what is God possibly doing during this time? I mean, have you ever considered what God actually might be doing? And again, as people of faith, we've got to bring in the spiritual element to all this. Uh, despite all the, the challenges that may be going on in life, in our lives, we've got to be able to look at God and get His cue from Him. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. And if we believe that, then that means there's nothing new for God of what happens even in our generation. What's happening is not too big for God not to be able to handle. Uh, he is certainly familiar with plagues. He is certainly familiar with disease. You can read about it in the book of Exodus. But there's nothing new under the sun. God is allowing us to go through something like this at this time for a reason. And one of the, the questions may be why. Why is this happening? You know, maybe God's allowing this to happen to teach you and me something, to teach the world something right now. Maybe God is trying to get our attention as a human race, and He's trying to point something out for us, to show us how life is really fragile. Maybe, maybe God's just trying to slow all of us down and to be able to help us prioritize the valuable things in our lives. What do you think God is doing from heaven above? I think that's a great question for you and me to be able to consider. And there's some passages that I've read uh, over here this last week for myself that, quite honestly, are, are pretty sobering. Uh, but at the same time, by knowing the truth and knowing God's voice through His Word, we can be empowered and better equipped. There's a passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 through 14 in the Living Bible. It says this, talking about God, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locust swarms to eat up all your crops, or if I send an epidemic among you, then if my people will humble themselves and pray and search for me and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. What an amazing passage of Scripture. This was spoken almost a thousand years ago to King Solomon at the time that the nation of Israel was at a crossroads. Whether the nation of Israel would go in a direction of obeying God and being great followers of Him and putting Him Lord, or would they be rebellious and disobedient and go back into sin. And unfortunately, the Israelite nation in history chose the latter. But I think about what this passage says. And God is certainly familiar with epidemics. He is certainly familiar with disease. He's certainly familiar with virus. But God's trying to call the people during this time to change, to be humbled, to turn back to Him, and to call on Him. And maybe that's a lesson that God is calling us to be able to make sure we, we hear clearly. Whether we're a Christian today or not, that we're a Christian, but God is trying to get our attention. I think about how God will heal their land. Uh, 
no, no coincidence that, you know, when as human beings we, we lay off the land for a period of time, the, you know, the world can help heal itself. And God will take care of replenishing things. You can read about that in the year of Jubilee and why Sabbath was so important in God's Word. Another passage I want us to be able to consider in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your hearts, whether or not you would keep His commands. Another riveting passage of Scripture where God allowed the Israelite nation to be able to wander the desert for 40 years. And I'm not saying that it's going to take 40 years for this to, to change. But He allowed His people to wander in the desert to be humbled and to test them on what's, on, what's in their hearts. And how many of us in the world forget, forget about God, neglect God? We don't remember Him during the day. We try to, but there's an element where we're forgetting about Him. We don't go to His Word. We don't go to Him in prayer. Could God actually be just trying to get our attention? Could He be trying to actually save our souls and help us stay on that straight and narrow road? This was the great concern for Moses when he was talking to the Israelites before they went into the Promised Land. These are great passages for us to take heed. But why is God allowing all of this to happen in our world today. And there are a lot of different opinions. There's a lot of different reasons. Again, as people of faith, we've got to go back to the Bible. We've got to weigh out all the different passages and certainly haven't talked about all the passages of what God may be doing. But could there be a possibility that He's trying to humble us? Could there be a possibility that He's trying to test us, test us as a human race? that He's trying to test us as disciples and sharpen us and prune us and discipline us so that we stay faithful to the very end. I think that's a great possibility. He's humbling mankind right now, and He's testing men and women to see what's in our hearts of what we're going to be doing. Are we going to humble ourselves and obey the Word of God? What do you think? What do you think God is trying to do in our world today. I want to offer up two possibilities of what He may be doing in our world today, but mostly for us, for you and for me, as God's church. Number one, I believe God's forcing the church to rethink what it means to be church. You know, church has never been about a building. And honestly, right now, I'm thankful that our church does not own a building with a high mortgage. There's an advantage to not having a mortgage. But church has never been about a location. Church has never been about a place. Church has always been about people. Jesus did not die for a building. He died for souls. He died for you and me. He died for people. That's why He died. And it's never been about structure. You know, a good friend, Roger Lamb, wrote a quote a couple weeks ago and simply said, perhaps God is moving us out of the church buildings and back into the community. So true. God is forcing our church and so many other churches around the world to figure out how, how, what is church going to look like. 
And God is forcing us out of the building into the community. And I love that because it's always been about people. It's always been about God's people walking with him, going into the community, making an impact, being ambassadors of Christ, being a light to this world. That's what it's always been about. So let's not ever get comfortable about a building or a location. He's getting us out of our comfort zones. I like that. He's getting us to think a little bit differently. I like that. He's getting us to, uh, you know, be pushed and out of our routines. He's getting us to get out of our auto-Christianity. Those are all good things for us. God's testing us what we're going to do in our hearts. Are we still going to be loyal to him regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the changes that may be happening in our lives? He's testing us. He's waiting to see what we'll do. He's testing our commitment to the church. I really believe, brothers and sisters, that the changes that we're going through now as a church, these changes are actually going to test our commitment in a greater way towards God and towards the church. Because it's going to require you and me, now that we can't really meet together, it's going to require you and me to demonstrate a greater commitment to God and to connecting to other brothers and sisters. Because I think about it, if you've, if you've had trouble going to church and being connected and being a part of God's family, when you and I actually had unlimited freedom to do that, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now, now that there's even greater challenge of connecting? Now, certainly you can connect to God anywhere and anytime. But how are you going to stay connected to his family locally? How are you going to stay connected in relationships and the relationships continue to grow? And for you to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and for you to be able to receive that as well. It's going to take, as I mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, over the past several weeks, you've got to train yourself to be godly. It's going to take personal responsibility for you to be connected. Don't let people chase you down. You should be chasing other people to be connected. It's always been about the people. You know, I've been so excited about this last week, and it's been a high learning curve for many of us in how to connect. And we're using different social media, and I, I see even around the world, our sister churches are using uh, different platforms to be able to uh, connect. But here we're using Zoom, we're using Facebook, Skype, YouTube, uh, certainly even today. But I want to show some screenshots here. Uh, the first screenshot here this last week, a uh, handful of the brothers are having a, a D group with one of the young disciples, Wes Young. And uh, we're doing you know, letters to new disciples as a follow-up uh, time, reading one of the chapters and be able to share our life in the gospel as well. The second screenshot is another Zoom meeting we had uh, this week with uh, a young Christian named Dean Nakama, Brother Dean Nakama, and a handful of brothers uh, being able to encourage him and read scriptures. And it was great. At the end of this uh, time, I had Winton Pasquale pray for us, and he was praying, and he was mentioning how excited he was to be on a Zoom talk. But then in the next bedroom over, he could hear his wife Sharon and his daughter Bryn having another Bible study with a, with a teen uh, in the next room on Zoom. 
And here's the picture of that. Look at how many women are in a Bible study. I tell you, uh, we can have more than 10 people in, in one area. And that's, amen. Through Zoom, we can do it, guys. Yes, where there's a will, there's a way. Okay, so whether by Zoom, whether by Skype, whether by smoke signals, where there's a will, there's a way. You can connect, but it's going to take your initiative. It's going to take you being intentional and, and welling up in your heart to be able to uh, value God's fellowship. Bible studies don't need to stop. People still need to be saved. Ohana groups don't need to stop. Sunday church, obviously, we don't need to stop. As long as we can do this, we can stay connected. Satan would love us to be isolated, to be more independent during this time where God wants us to be even more connected. So I think God is showing us, the church, how to rethink what church is all about. It's never been about buildings, guys. It's always been about people. It's always been about your soul and my soul being saved, us following Jesus Christ, loving what God loves, and being connected. Get connected with God, stay connected, and be connected with Him. Lastly, what's God doing in our world today? I believe God's showing the church what's important. You know, in times like this, when things are out of our control, I mean, we're, we're battling against a, a microbe of a virus, and it shows uh, there's no distinction of who it can affect. But at times like this, you start taking inventory of what's important in your life and what's not. Especially if it's life and death. You know, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 and 13, Jesus says at the destruction of Jerusalem during that time in that generation, He says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. You know, Jesus even predicts when there's a season of wickedness, when the world just gets out of control, the challenge for people's hearts is that it will grow cold, grow cold towards each other. There'll be lack of love. And I think this is a very important scripture for you and me in a time like this. This is a time where people are panicking, people are afraid, people are discouraged, people are worried, and rightly so. They may not have God. They may have God in their lives. But God teaches us we've got to keep giving. And we've got to fight to keep loving each other. You know, loving, loving your family. I, you know, just honestly, just look around at the, the loved ones in your home. Blow them a kiss. Give them a, an elbow bump. But these are the people that really matter in your life. Your friends, your family. These are the people that really matter in your life. So, guys, let's not, let's not spend lots of time fighting each other. Let's not spend a whole lot of time bickering and arguing and being angry at each other. It's not worth it. Why would you spend that much energy and getting all riled up when these people are the people that you love? You know, siblings, stop fighting against each other. Love one another. Be obedient to your mom and dad. It'll make your life a lot more pleasurable if you do that. But God wants us to love one another. I appreciate Stan Cobbs, Brother Stan Cobbs. He called me uh, several days ago, and he, he just called me up, and 
Uh, you know, Brother Stan, he, uh, he volunteers and he delivers uh, meals through Meals on Wheels here in Honolulu. And I appreciate him. But he called me up because he remembers that I used to do that in Los Angeles when we were there. But he called me up just to let me know, hey, that there's some you know, volunteer openings to be able to help serve the community. I appreciate Stan's heart. Even in the midst of this time, and even as his own condition physically, he still wants to give and serve the community. Brother Stan, be careful. Be careful out there. But I appreciate his heart. His heart is not growing cold. His love continues to give to other people. There's a saying, no movies, no concerts, no sporting events, no restaurants, no social gatherings, limited workload. Now that I've cleared your schedule, can we talk? God. God's clearing it out for us. He's making it more simple and more clear of what we should do as disciples of Jesus Christ, what we should do as a, a human race. And it's to slow down. It's to be able to value what God values. And it's Him, it's others, it's our relationship with Him. I think another thing that's important that God is helping us to understand is just being right with Him. Being right with God. Another way to say that is being saved. Not being lost, but being saved. Uh, certainly around the world, during times of tragedy, during times of trials, it's amazing how the level of spiritual interest spikes around the world. It's because we see how fragile and temporary our lives are. And when we realize that, wow, this world is not forever, our life is going to end someday, then, then we're thinking correctly about where are we going to go after we die. And God wants us to think about this. He wants us to think about whether we're saved and right with Him. You know, whether we're confident that we're going to be going to heaven or not. Are you confident that you're saved? Are you confident that you're going to heaven? And this is where the Bible really helps all of us. It helps us to understand from God's perspective what does it mean to be right with Him. And that's why we talk so much about in church how it's important for all of us personally to be able to study the Bible. And sometimes we need help as well uh, to be coached in scriptures, to have scriptures shown to us that we can apply. But that's important. That's important to us. That's important to God. It's just being right with Him. Marriage and family, that's another thing that's important. And I mentioned it earlier, loving one another. And I love the fact that today, in the Oahu Church, families are worshiping together. I just have, I just have a thought that, you know, God, God had this in mind all along for us. That we could actually, as dads and moms, we could actually lead by example to our kids about worshiping God as a family. And I hope, I hope God's ministering to your family today. I hope you're encouraged. of what God is doing in your family. But even in the midst of, um, you know, what's happening in the world, God continues to save people. I want to share some good news here that this happened um, last Wednesday. Eli Savigny got baptized.
uh, last Wednesday. And, um, you know, there's the picture there, and all these disciples broke the rule of 10 people or less, but amen, amen. I think they, they went to the beach six feet apart, but they took a group picture as a group. But uh, Eli's there uh, in, the, uh, in the towel there, I, I believe more to the left of the picture, and it was on Facebook Live, and it was such a, it was so uh, uh, emotional and moving uh, to receive the Facebook Live feed and uh, see the comments, to hear the comments, but to see and be part of that baptism. Um, but congratulations, Eli. Congratulations to Bigney family uh, for God moving in your life. That's what's important. God is showing us what's important, what will always be important, and what we've got to be able to value. The last thing that I believe is, is important, it's for us to know Jesus. Uh, it goes without saying. Uh, we've got to know him, especially during this time. Why, why is this important for you and for me? Well, unless we believe in him, we can't be saved. It comes down to that. We've got to believe in Jesus Christ. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust what he says. We've got to trust his leadership. We've got to trust his promises. That's what it says. And that's what God wants you and me to do, is to be able to trust him, to develop that holy habit. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, For God so loved the world, and these are Jesus' words, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You know, when Jesus came to the world the first time, He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. We do need to understand that Jesus is going to come back another time, a second time. And that's the time that He's come to bring back those who are with Him, back with Him into heaven. And so his first time, he came for us as a human race, not to condemn us as a human race. He came to die for our sins. He came to sacrifice his life, to spill his blood so that we would have a chance of being with him in heaven. And the belief that Jesus is talking about here is not just some intellectual belief like he exists. Lots of people in the Bible believe that he was real, that he existed. But the intellectual belief is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible describes what a follower of Christ looks like, thinks like, acts like, behaves like, believes in. The Bible describes that belief is faith with obedience. And the only way that we can know what to obey is to be able to have a relationship with God's Word. You can't do it otherwise. And if you don't do it that way, then you and I are going to be susceptible to opinions which may be wrong. But we've got to read the Bible. Salvation only comes from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And unless you and I trust Him, unless you and I believe in Him, we can't be saved. But if we do trust Him and believe Him, then salvation is available and open for all of us. And it's only through him. And thankfully, you and I can know Christ today. 
We can know Him. And it's not just a, a self-exercise where you, you kind of pep yourself up. You and I can know Jesus Christ through His Word. Go back to the source where you can read it, you can reflect on it, you can apply it. And some of us may need coaching in it. Some of us need help. We, we need to reach out to other Christians in our lives to help us, help us learn what the Scriptures say. As I wind down here, everything that I've talked about today involves trust, the holy habit of trusting God. It's vital for our own relationship with God. Everything that we do, knowing that what He says will come true and believing what He says. God is doing something in our world today. He's allowing something to happen because of these circumstances. Will you trust Him? Will you go to Him for your security and your foundation? Will you trust His promises? Do you see that God is forcing us as a church to rethink what church is? That it's never been about a building, but it's going to require you and me to be even more intentional and more committed to be able to stay connected to God and to His church. Do you see how God is showing us as a church what's important and what's not? what's valuable and what's invaluable. Being saved is valuable. Loving our families, loving other people is valuable. Knowing Jesus Christ is ultimately the most valuable relationship you and I can ever have. Let's trust God. Let's stay connected. Let's love Him with all of our hearts. Let's practice this holy habit of trusting Him, reaching out, Staying connected. Thank you for joining us today, brothers and sisters, friends and family. Let's stay connected. Let's do what's right in God's eyes. Let's love each other. And we'll see you next week. God bless.